If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. I understand you. I understand that not everything is accessible to you and you don't have the perfect, you know, zero waste lifestyle and just making sure people know that it's a process and it's about progress instead of perfection. How do we, at the same time, reach people not already mindful of their environmental impact while not pushing them away by maybe being too hardcore in our approach? What should we keep in mind when we're sharing sustainability with our friends and people newly entering the scene so that our messages can reach them in an engaging and meaningful way? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To sign up for Green Dreamer's newsletter, which includes weekly episode highlights, positive news to note, and a preview of who you'll hear from next, just head to greendreamer.com. I write these myself and look forward to having you. So again, that's greendreamer.com to sign up. For now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is an eco-vlogger who has grown her community to over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and has published over 200 videos on her explorations in green living, beginning with ones focused more on dumpster diving. After earning her degree in environmental science and spending two years in the workforce in the hopes of helping to create change from the top down in our social and governmental systems, she realized that she could make much more of a difference by creating her own community around the causes that she believes in. She's now an eco-realist who provides tips and tools for an attainable, sustainable lifestyle on her YouTube channel, Shell Bizzle. Green Dreamer starting off with what inspired her love for nature, here's Shelby of Shell Bizzle. When I was in high school, I was um, president of our student council and our student council was broken up into different groups. So we had like the social group that kind of focused on like social good overall. And then we had the environmental group. And then there was one other group that focused on like saving money for the school and that sort of thing. And we had to pick one. So I picked the environment. Since I was president, I was also 
head of that department. It just all kind of started there. And then the summer between my junior and senior year, I went um, to a summer camp that was just focused on sustainable energy because growing up in Texas, (laughs) kind of all I knew about was oil. And they taught us a lot more about like wind and solar and hydro and all the stuff that I didn't even know about. And that was, of course, right when you're applying to college and trying to get into picking your major and what you literally want to do with the rest of your life. And at the time, I thought that was psychology. But then after the summer camp, I decided it was sustainability. So I changed my major to environmental science. I got my bachelor's degree in environmental science and started going into um, the career force, I guess you could say, the job force, workforce, that's the word. And um, I started working for the state. I was doing regulatory um, on air emissions for the state of Texas. It was a desk job that made me feel like I was making zero difference. Mm. And that was just exhausting. So I decided I would give this YouTube thing a try because I always had a dream of being a YouTuber. Although the only people I saw on YouTube were beauty influencers. So um, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a niche for people who care about the stuff I care about. And fortunately, there was. What gave you the courage to, because I'm guessing at the time that you entered the YouTube sphere, like not a lot of people were talking about sustainability and uh, conscious lifestyle. So what what was it that gave you the courage to be different and be a pioneer in that sense? It was actually kind of hard because like I said, all I knew is that people did makeup on YouTube. And uh, before I made the decision to switch to sustainability on my channel, I was doing dumpster diving very interesting thing that happened there. But my hope with it was I would promote how much waste are within these businesses and how unnecessary it is, how you can go and literally take perfectly good things and use them from things that people are discarding. But what happened was I started gaining an audience of people who cared more about getting free stuff and specifically (laughs) makeup because the dumpster dives I was doing with makeup went viral. It just wasn't fulfilling for me, right? So Yes, I was making decent money at it. Yes, I was gaining followers and views and all those sort of things, but I wasn't happy. And the whole purpose of me being on YouTube was for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. So when I made the decision to go into sustainability, I didn't really have a choice at that at that point. Like I if I was gonna keep doing it, it had to be something I was passionate about. Right. So I just made the decision that even if I don't make money, even if I'm not doing well, even if no one cares, (laughs) I'll be happy. And I was going to say, in watching your content evolve on your YouTube channel, um, you did start out with a lot more content revolving around dumpster diving. And I'm curious what got you into dumpster diving to begin with. Yeah, that started in college. Actually, I wasn't making videos about it in college, but I did a study abroad um, to Costa Rica when I was in college and I had no money. And students, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. I think it's pretty common, but Students, when they move out of their dorms, move out of their apartments, they just throw out perfectly good stuff that you can literally go pick up a couch and resell it on Facebook for a hundred dollars. And that's it. The the motivation behind it back then was I can go get perfectly good things and sell them so that they can be reused instead of going to the landfill. That's why it started way back when that was probably like 2014. Then whenever I started on YouTube, it was to promote like, look what these companies are doing. You can just go and get it and reuse it. And that's a different way of being anti-consumerism in a way. That's kind of how I pictured it when I first 
started on YouTube. What are some typical initial reactions that people have when they newly learn about dumpster diving for the first time? I mean, obviously, a lot of reactions are that it's gross and disgusting. You you have completely like two totally different realms of what people think about it. Like, that's disgusting. You're disgusting. I can't <laughs> believe you do that. And wow, I never realized like companies were throwing out things that are perfectly fine. I think people don't even think about it. So it was a great way to kind of expose that and wake people up to the fact that that was going on. I don't think a lot of people even know that. Yeah. Are there any statistics or what do we know about like the amount of stuff that these companies actually throw out? I don't know any uh, exact statistics. I think because they are not proud that they do that. Mm -hmm. And to get like really in-depth data from them would be a difficult thing. I haven't seen any studies. But what I do know that's really interesting is that a lot of those companies throw out food. Like if you look back at some of my older videos about food dumpster diving, I do know that there was a bill passed way back when Bill Clinton was president that protects them from liability when you donate food, because that's also a reaction I got a lot was that um, the companies can't donate this stuff because of liability issues. But I think it's called the Good Samaritan Act eliminates all liability on the donator when you donate things. So I, I would really like to do a whole series on that, just like asking them how much they throw out and why they do it, despite, you know, the protections that they have. So technically, they could be donating this food to people in need, but they're just not doing it or? Yeah, exactly. Um, the Good Samaritan law, that, that's that's what's written into it, that um, people who donate stuff there cannot be held liable for anything that happens once they've donated it. Mm. I think the the only reason companies do that is time and money. It would take time, obviously, to coordinate with someone who would be willing to take it. And it costs more money to pay someone to coordinate that and to organize it and send it over than it is just to throw it out. If you get to dive deeper into the subject, we're going to be following along and hopefully getting to learn more from you. So we will stay posted on that. And <laughs> even if people watch these videos about dumpster diving and they may not personally make a habit out of it or even try it out themselves, what key message or messages do you hope to get across with these videos? You know, I think it's more than like at each individual getting involved with it is holding the companies accountable because yeah, as one person, we try our best to make the biggest difference and like the most positive impact that we can. But it's those businesses that need to truly make a difference. So writing them and saying, hey, I saw this video on YouTube that you throw out like dozens of packages of fresh produce. Why do you do that? Like, can you stop doing that? Or yeah, talking to like your store manager or helping them coordinate things. Um, I think that's what's more important is trying to get them to change and exposing them for what they do so that we can all work together to make a, a more positive difference. Right. And I'm curious if any of the companies have responded to your videos because your videos have gone viral. And I, I think there's several on Ulta and some other companies whose dumpsters you've dove into. So I don't know, has there been like responses from them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of them are really interesting. So specifically Ulta, obviously, that's uh, the ones that did the the most virality, if you will, on YouTube, um, they posted a whole newsletter to their whole company with like one of my thumbnails on it <laughs> and uh, or one of my subscribers worked there. So they sent me a picture of it like in their their employee room that said like, 
do not allow these girls to be in our dumpsters. Be sure you're destroying all the products so that they don't oh, have dear. an opportunity to, you know, ex- do this sort of thing. I think I could probably look it up. I posted it on my Twitter a while ago, but there was that one. So that sounds like more like let's hide this better rather than, oh, let's think about how we can be less wasteful. Yeah. No, I have not received any, yeah, no positive responses. And then I also got one from Vitamin Shop. Uh, they reposted one of my videos on their Facebook and said, why are we just, this was like a, almost a year after I posted the video that they shared. And it was like, how have we never seen this before, Shelby? Next time when you're dumpster diving, make sure you come inside and say hi. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world? And then within 20 minutes, they deleted it. Oh. <laughs> Someone... Someone on their social media team must have posted that without approval, I am assuming. How do you think we can translate these type of conversations into meaningful action and accountability on their end? I wish I had a good answer to that, but I think a lot of them are just not responsive at this point. And what I keep learning through like um, my job as an influencer and also my job uh, as a podcast host where I interview, you know, uh, like eco brands. They keep telling me that the market is headed towards sustainability. Consumers are demanding it. Like people are holding companies accountable and that seems to be the driving force for change. But until people who shop at Ulta care about waste, I'm not sure that we're going to see a change. And I'm, I'm, it's a very complicated thing to, to do because I think a lot of people who are avid shoppers of items like that have a consumerist mindset, whereas I think the mindset you need to care about waste is kind of opposite of that. The caveat to that is figuring out how to get the message across to those consumers about why they should care. And then I think that directly translates to businesses. At least that's been like my experience and what I've seen. It feels like part of the challenge is people who have become more conscious consumers wouldn't shop in these places to begin with, or maybe would have changed their behaviors to shop at more eco-friendly shops. So they're supporting more eco-friendly businesses. So like the eco realm is growing and that's amazing. But the people who have remained to shop at these, like same with fast fashion and just more consumeristic places, Mm -hmm. they're still supporting that because they haven't, I guess, opened their eyes to this world or maybe they have, but just don't yet care that much about it. I did. That's how I feel about it. And then that's a really like hard place to get to because it's like a very middle ground where you have to be a consumer but still care about like (laughs) conscious consumerism that's kind of like my life mission right to figure out how to get to those people and and communicate to them effectively it's 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 a complicated middle ground for sure yeah i mean i've heard recommendations for writing letters to these types of companies and saying like i love your products and if you had these sorts of practices like i would support you even more so it's kind of showing them that you would support them even more if they just made these little positive changes so i don't know if that Maybe that'll help to begin with. That's definitely a good start. And social media as well. I mean, the idea of writing letters is, is one thing and it gets directly to the company, you know. But these days, you could post something on Twitter that says, hey, I found this plastic bag outside Ulta and this is yours. So do something about it. And that's the sort of thing that can go viral and people can get more attention for it. So I hope that more people will do things like that. And I am starting, I have started, I need to become more consistent, but a series on my uh, Instagram stories 
doing that exact thing, like picking up trash every single day. And if it is from a specific company, you know, tagging them and saying, I found your trash outside in the environment. Like, can you do something about this? But again, I'm not a consumer of them. So going back to June 2017, you published a video titled Why I'm Quitting Dumpster Diving. And in that video, you touched on this earlier, but you talked about how you felt like your initial focus more on dumpster diving for makeup products and so forth was being misconstrued as being about consumerism and getting free products. And that consequently, a lot of people that subscribe to you may not have done so out of genuine curiosity for sustainable living, which is at the heart of who you are and really want what you want to do with your platform. Can you expand a little bit on how you came to this realization and what that meant to you? That is exactly the turning point when I posted that video um, where I was like, I can't do this anymore. The thing that I mentioned earlier, the when I realized I had to do like something that was better for me. I think that video is really like, it should stand as a pillar on my channel, but it, it hasn't uh, until recently, for some reason, it's been recommended a lot to my recent viewers. So now I think people understand why <laughs> I quit. And I don't get too many requests for it anymore, but I did for a while. And after that video, I lost a lot of subscribers. And the reason I think that is and what I saw and how I came to that conclusion, a lot of my comments, I mean, I read every comment that comes across my YouTube channel. I don't think people realize that like what you write, I read it. And like, it's how I gauge what you want and what you want to see. And, you know, your, your experience, like watching the content that I make and so many comments I got were like, oh, I love that palette. I wish you could give it to me. You should do a giveaway with that item. When are you going to post another dumpster dive? How do I make sure I find good makeup? And it was always, I don't know, you can just tell it. And that's how I came to the conclusion. It were the comments I was getting, like waking up in the morning and reading comments that are like, oh, I love your channel. When's your next giveaway? Just made it obvious why people were there. Like I said, it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't something that was driving me. And I'm sure you're aware of this, but <laughs> something like YouTube takes so much time. And it's weird to think about as the person who's watching it because you just see a prepared, clean 10 to 15 minute video. And it looks so simple, but it's really not. And I was still working full time. So to put another 40 hours a week into something, it had to be something that you wake up every day and you're excited about. And that just wasn't how I felt reading the comments at that point. So yeah, that's when I decided to make that video. I was, it was just time. I couldn't do it anymore. I was going to say, when I see your videos on dumpster diving, what's going through my mind is like how wasteful. And so clearly when you're receiving comments about, oh, where, where's that palette from? Or like, where can I get this? It's more so about you know, it's about these makeup products and not about how they're realizing how wasteful these companies are. Exactly. And, but if I had gotten comments like that every day, that was like, oh my God, I'm never shopping at blah, blah, blah again, or I'm going to email blah, blah, blah company and tell them I don't approve of this or wow, that, you know, if the comments were different then I, I probably would still be making dumpster diving videos, but that's nobody's fault. But, you know, I guess the YouTube algorithm and who they push content <laughs> to. So and from there, when you made this realization, how did you pivot or evolve to make it clear that the underlying message behind all of your content is to really support sustainability while not pushing away those initially just intrigued by your adventures, dumpster diving, or those attracted to you as a person, but 
weren't necessarily interested in the environment. Because it is important for us to also get people not interested in the environment to begin with, uh, slowly mm -hmm. on board and aware of these topics. Yeah, that was also a delicate balancing act because one of the reasons I just didn't go straight into sustainability when I started my channel was because I did feel like I would just be preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. And that's not that's not helpful. Like that's not making a change for, you know, anybody. If you're already doing these things and then you're watching a channel that talks about doing these things, I'm not really helping anybody. So I slowly transitioned away from doing dumpster diving by going full force into sustainability while also posting dumpster diving. That video you just mentioned was posted in June. And then in July was Plastic Free July. So I challenged myself to go zero waste for the month. I made videos every single week about that while also posting videos every week about dumpster diving. So there was a transition period where I did both. And within my videos about dumpster diving, I just made more of a point to say, I do this for the environment. Like I do this to reduce waste. Making clear on my messaging, I think was really helpful. So then after my zero waste challenge was over, it just kind of carried on into, well, I'm not completely zero waste. So let me try to tell people consistently that I'm not and how I mess up and how they can do better and just kind of transform small pieces of people's lives. Because still, if you look at my videos, I kind of talk on specific topics per video. So mm. like how to zero waste defy your cleaning routine. Zero waste options for shampoos. I try not to take like an overall hauling approach because people who, yeah, like you said, are already on my channel are probably not prepared to go from watching dumpster diving to changing their entire life. But I try to make it um, consumable so that the average consumer can watch it and feel like it's attainable for them. Across all of your content today, I know you place a huge emphasis on helping to make sustainability attainable and realistic and practical. So in addition to, of course, keeping in mind the previous types of audience that you had, what do you think makes it so important to help sustainability feel accessible? Well, something that I think helps is just to let people know that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of solution because everyone has different like access to different things. Even though I live in Austin, I we don't even have a zero-way shop here. You know, we don't have a dedicated zero-way shop. We did, and then it shut down. So I think just my perspective uh, when talking about it is I, un I understand you. I understand that not everything is accessible to you and you don't have the perfect, you know, zero waste lifestyle and just making sure people know that it's a process and it's about progress instead of perfection. I just try to build that in as much as I can to the message. And then the other part of accessibility is affordability. And I think a lot of people in my audience are frugal people. Hence, because I was a dumpster diver, it, that's definitely a frugal thing to do. Trying to tie that in as much as I can, too, that things should be affordable and accessible. And as people who also want to help share messages around sustainability, what, what tips would you give us? And what do you think it takes to make our messages feel accessible and welcoming to a wide variety of people? That's a good question. Um, it took me a while to get here. It, probably this only happened uh, six, eight months ago. But I have this new tagline, and it's, uh, you cannot do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do. It's a message that I try to be 
very consistent on. Like it's the overall message of my channel so that when people come, they know that. So I, but I think if anybody else is out there is trying to make their platform seem accessible to everybody, I think it would be to keep in mind what it was like when you started. Maybe that's what's made my message so clearly attainable because I didn't become zero waste and then start talking about it. I have become zero waste in the public eye, if you will. I mean, it's YouTube, but everyone's been able to watch my transition, essentially. Mm. And I think it's easy for some people to like get to where they are and forget how they got there, maybe. So it's to remember while you're like creating this message, what it was like when you first came to it and to preach or to preach to uh, influence from a point of perspective instead of influencing from a point of like, you're already there. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, I just want to say that I really love and resonate with the quote that guides your work. Can you repeat that for us again? You cannot do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do. I feel like that that is it. That embodies everything. I mean, it shows <laughs> that people don't need to be doing everything. People don't need to be absolutely perfect, but we do make a difference in every little thing that we do. So it really affirms like people's impact that they can have should they just, you know, choose to do whatever they can do, but that it's okay that we're not perfect cuz perfectionism can scare people away. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's actually a, a big criticism I have of like the zero waste movement and just where the platform of, of Zero Waste was when I came to it, I felt like there weren't enough people trying to talk about how it is to be imperfect. And I think Emmy, I'm sure you're familiar, um, if you don't know, from Sustainably Vegan on YouTube as well. She started the low impact movement. And I identify with that, but I also don't want to let go of the label of Zero Waste because I feel it's very identifiable. Like it's very, it has a reputation already. And low, low waste is also getting there. So I use both of them. But I think overall, it's really important that when people hear about that, they don't just hear about the trash jar, but they are aware that, you know, there are people that are identified as that that are not necessarily living with only a mason jar of trash. For sure. So I, I, mean, I hope that I serve as that. Yeah, totally. I feel like when I tell my friends not in this space about zero waste, they hear that and they're like, oh, that's not possible for me. So... Yeah, we need people to know that like relatively lower waste is also amazing and important. Absolutely. And I think another part of that is making sure that people know that zero waste was never meant to fall completely on the consumer like you or me. Like it was meant to be an industrial term for companies to aspire to or for them to do in, in their warehouses, because for every like pound of trash that we produce as a consumer, there is seven pounds of trash that you didn't see for that product to get to you. Mm. And it, it's so much more important to get companies on board, like I mentioned, than to, to take it all on your own. Well, now when looking at YouTube and the same thing with other social media platforms, um, I feel like the channels and platforms that have become the most popular in a way reflect how we as a society, uh, the things that we want, the things we feel, and the things that we're interested in or attracted to. And you noted earlier, too, that a lot of the biggest influencers out there are more so focused on just acting as entertainment and not so much on educating or talking about heavier or more serious topics such as social and environmental activism. Do you feel like this has changed over your years as a content creator, or has this pretty much remained the same? I think it's 
shifting, but I wouldn't say that it's completely changed. I think because the it depends on the demographic that's at the platform that you want to gain an audience on. So the in general, the demographic on YouTube is a younger audience who doesn't know why or how to care about like eco-friendly living or sustainable living or all that sort of stuff yet. But I find that people who are my age, which is also my predominant demographic on my channel, they are gravitating more towards influencers with a message. They, they're not interested in people pushing products to them constantly anymore. And that's very exciting to see. And I, I do expect that that shift will continue with the younger generation on YouTube right now. But yeah, younger kids, they don't, they don't care and they don't know how to care even yet. But I think it's important that we're there for when they are ready to get to them, to get the message to them. And, but I also think that even if you are an ethical influencer, you have to have some form of entertainment built into your content or no one's going to watch. Because <laughs> if I sat down every day and just preached about the sadness of sustainability, <laughs> then even my most dedicated viewers would be like, okay, I'm done with you. Right. So I have made it a very a, a point to try to figure out how to build entertainment into my content as well. And you may have just answered my next question, but I feel like at this time, we really need to elevate public awareness and care for sustainability, which is really just essential to public health and public welfare. So in light of this, what do you think we need most to be able to reach the level of awareness that we need and drive action needed for a more sustainable and thriving planet? Yeah, I do think that we need to make it more fun. <laughs> because Again, I try to do this thing where I think about myself when I was first getting into this and how I would have found more information and what I would have done with it. So when I was in high school trying to learn more about, you know, sustainability, I would have searched on YouTube probably how to be more sustainable. But if the person was just sitting there talking, it would have been, I wouldn't have cared. And maybe I would have given up. You know, I think I was a special case. I had already decided <laughs> to dedicate my life to it. But, you know, not everybody is that way. But if you click on something, because I have a series about, um, how to shop zero waste at like conventional grocery stores. Again, that theme of making things accessible. It's got fun music and fun little facts. And there's a lot of different scenes instead of me just sitting in one place and talking. And I have found that that helps people understand more when it's more of a conventional like uh, reality show setup. I, I think we do need more people doing that sort of thing and making it fun because I think we have enough people sitting around preaching from their pedestals about how to do it. And uh, I just, I really would like to be that person that makes it more fun. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with us and uh, inspiring us to really reflect on our personal entry points into sustainability and what it was that led us into this space, as well as putting ourselves in the shoes of somebody who just doesn't care at all and what it, what is that one thing that might be able to inspire these people or, you know, spark something in their minds so that they can take some sort of interest in this? So we're going to continue following you online so we can keep learning from you. Uh, what is next for you and where can we follow you online? Absolutely. So I am all over the internet, actually. <laughs> um, I have my YouTube channel, obviously, which is Shell Bizzle. S-H-E-L-B-I-Z-L-E-E-E. -E -E. And then I'm also hoping, fingers crossed, 
coming out with an ebook actually about um, whether or not you should major in environmental science because I've been there, I've done that, and I'd really like to give people advice on that. I get questions literally every single day about that. So if that's something you're curious about, you can stay tuned. I'm hopefully going to be launching that soon. And uh, I'm also buying a house this year. So Ooh, a lot more content about homeownership should be coming out as well. This podcast wouldn't be here without you, Green Dreamer, so thank you so much for being here. To become one of our original 100 Green Dreamer supporters, where you'll get bonus monthly Q&A episodes, be invited to join our upcoming private support community, and also forever be written down in my books to receive early previews and discounts to everything we and I work on in the future, just head to greendreamer.com slash Patreon. Your support will really help make it possible for us to continue the show and share more resources on our website. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting us on Patreon or simply by being here. Again, to become one of our original 100 Green Dreamer supporters, just head to greendreamer.com slash Patreon. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. For now, to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting or enlightening social media account or publication you follow? I mean, I definitely sustainably vegan. She's one of my other favorite influencers and she and I are, are always communicating and she helps me with literally everything. And another one that I really, really love is Catherine from going zero waste. I mean, she's obviously a huge influencer, but anytime I need help with anything, they both help me so much and they've inspired me a lot through my journey as well. So if you're looking for some other great people to follow there, there's two right there for sure. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? My quote honestly motivates me a lot. I'm really considering getting it uh, tattooed on my body soon. (laughs) But the whole you cannot do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do. And I, I just think we're seeing trends head in the right direction. And I think that if we become unmotivated now, we'll just regret it. So I think we're going, we're getting there. And it just, it keeps me motivated. What are you working on right now for your health? I actually just found out I have some health issues. So right now I'm working on consistently practicing meditation and not drinking any soda. Both of those things are big in my life right now. What are you working on right now to live more sustainably? Yeah, like I mentioned, I am getting a house. So it's very interesting. I've learned a lot of sustainability lessons through purchasing a home. And that's kind of where I'm focused right now, because I I don't know if there's a lot of people who talk about this, but there are a ton of aspects when purchasing a home to think about. And uh, that's been my biggest endeavor within the last few months. What makes you most hopeful about our planet right now? Just that, that there are more businesses that are regular everyday businesses doing things that we that matter. So like just as simple as the loop system that we talked about, just the fact that Haagen-Dazs is now making ice cream in a reusable container, it truly, truly (laughs) makes me feel like we're headed in the right direction. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? All the things that we talked about, I hope they do motivate and inspire you. And I hope that anybody listening to this feels like they can make a difference because you might just be one person, but you could also speak to millions of people. And Millions of us together are the reason that all the things that we've talked about are happening. So never doubt that you like have a real influence over this world. I truly believe that that we do. Never doubt that you have a real influence in this world. 
Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can become one of our original 100 Green Dreamer supporters at greendreamer.com slash Patreon. You can find the two tweetable takeaways from this interview and the full show notes with links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 119419. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, as well as on our podcast account at Green Dreamer Podcast. I also want to thank our reviewer of the week, Katrina Victoria, for their feedback. They said, I love how open-minded I'm learning to become since listening to this podcast. It's opened my eyes to how much more complicated this global economy is, and it's made me re-evaluate everything I thought I knew in regards to sustainability and the brands I choose to support. End quote. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm constantly learning more myself, constantly reminded of how much I still don't know and have yet to learn, and am always evolving my views as we speak with more people from different fields of expertise and backgrounds. And I'm just really looking forward to continue this learning journey with you. So thank you again for being here. For now, as we're wrapping up, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, Hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.